0: As a leader in advanced HVAC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness, with a focus on personal comfort and prosperous communities. Mitsubishi offers a variety of indoor options, including high wall floor mount, duct handlers, and extremely popular one-way ceiling cassette. Climate systems are great for a single room or the entire home, providing 100% capacity to minus five degrees. A full range of control options, including Wi-Fi, touchscreen, and thermostats, and simple remotes are available to meet every customer's needs. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. For more information, go to MitsubishiComfort.com. Bew White III is chairman of the board of Gabriella White and its brands, Summer Classics, Gabby, and Wendy Jane. In 2013, he was named Entrepreneur of the Year by the Society of International Business Fellows, and in 2021, Bew received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the International Casual Furnishings Association. He is also the subject of the well received biography, A Summer Classic The Bew White Story, by Christopher Taunton. Welcome, Bew. Good afternoon, Mark Madison here on Books and People. Today, I'm absolutely fascinated by our guest, Bew White. Bew, how are you this morning? Super, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for making the time out of your busy schedule. You've got quite a resume, young man. Yeah, you oh, have... I appreciate the young man comment. <laughs> well, of course. You you kind of grew up in a in a family business. Yep. But before we get into that, um, tell me your story. Where were you born? I was born in Birmingham, Alabama.
1: And, uh, you know, you don't want to go, how far do you want me to go? Well, uh, just tell us far. about your childhood growing up. What's it like? Yeah. What was it like? It was, you know, it's interesting because um, this is a Forrest Gump analogy. I watched Forrest Gump the first And he's, he, you know, I don't know if you remember, he's wearing a brace and he's running in his brace. Yes had something called leg birth disease and I was in a wheelchair for the from four to eight and I had a brace and I learned how to run in my brace and so when I saw that and I was with my grandson the other day and I and I told him he was he's he's eight and I said you know I was in a brace my he said what's a brace I said well of course like <laughs> he had never seen it and it came on that night and I said said there it is see like that he's like wow anyway so um uh, and, you know, I had a, I had a, you know, I'm a silver spooner, you know, I don't, there's no better way to put it. I really had a, a blessed life early on. And then I went to Darlington. I went to prep school when I was 16 for three years. And then I got out of prep school and went to Auburn University. That's where I met my wife, which turned out to be one of the greatest things ever happened to me. And uh, now this that's is Wendy, of- right? Wendy, yeah, and uh, she's been very supportive, even when I was like, you know, I, I can't get through this situation by myself. I don't have the wisdom to figure it out on my own, and uh, then, I, then I went with, uh, so I studied textile engineering because my great-grandfather had started a, a Fortune 500 company called Avondale Mills that he started in the late uh, 1800s. And he was governor and senator of Alabama in the early 1900s, and then he was an incredible. I mean, there's four books about him. He's an incredible. He was an incredible guy, mm.
0: and a real uh, role model so for I said, you.
1: Yeah, I, what, but the funny thing is, you know, I didn't read his books until I was in my 60s, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that guy was amazing." I had no idea. And education uh, is wasted yeah, on son. the young, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> And yeah, it's interesting you say that because once uh once I started, I started working when I was like 13 and I worked all the way from 13 to till now, you know. So so I got into school and I was like, this is this is nothing to do with business. I got into college and like they're really they're teaching me how to make fabric. I was in textile engineering, but right. I'm not really learning how business works, you know. And so I couldn't wait to get out of college. I was like, I'm, I'm you know. This is not. I know what business is like, and this is not it, right? And so, you knew what you I, didn't want, I, right? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, I ended up getting my MBA, but it was in mistakes rather than in uh, college. Uh, so I um, got out. Got out of college, and I got a job with Avondale Mills. I got. I had several offers. Most of them were to go in textile mills and work in the textile mill, but I was interested in selling fabric. And as soon as I got out of college, I got married, and within a month of that, I was in New York City selling fabric. And I wasn't, uh, they were kind of amazed that I was from Alabama, and I was willing to go to New York City to sell fabric, but I was like, I've been to New York City, you know, multiple times, it doesn't bother me at all. And I know my way around and you know, already, and so it was uh, not a big problem for me. In fact, my roommate in college, uh, who ended up being an actor, director, and producer, ended up going to... New York the same time I did we lived completely different lives but he he also was the guy that ended up reading my book for Audible and did a great job on that nice I, I'm in uh New York and I'm I'm calling on small accounts and I ended up getting this is kind of an interesting story I got my territory ended up being Ohio Michigan and western Pennsylvania
0: so, so you weren't in the garment district. You're in the Midwest.
1: Yeah, I could, I could, I could go pick accounts out of New York if nobody had them,
0: but I couldn't
1: get accounts in New York that they already had because they were already right. taken. So I'd ask, you know, do you have this account? So I'd, I, you know, I I called on like Hartshafter and Marks. I don't know if you remember them and people. Like I that. do.
0: Yeah, I bought a suit. My first suit.
1: <laughs> and then and so I said can I call him a Ralph Lauren? And they were like, who's that? I was like, okay, well, I'm going to call on him. So I got fascinated with his business model and ended up using his business model when I got into business for myself. But during that period of time, I also called on what they call jobbers, which were um, right, right. a jobber in our business was somebody that bought and resold fabric to people and marked it up a little bit. They may only mark it up a nickel or they may mark, or if they could buy it right, they could double the price. And they had they so we we had we did big volume only like you had to buy five thousand yards of a color to do business with us, so they could buy larger quantities and then sell it off in smaller quantities to people that couldn't do business with us. The spread, and so one day I'm out with uh, one of these jobber guys and I'm having lunch with them, and I was like, "Hey," you, and I'm thinking, you know, you got like four employees. This seems like a pretty good business. Do you mind telling me how much you pay yourself? And he told me, and it was more than the president of Avondale Mills, which was a Fortune 500 company, makes on. like, man, that seems like a pretty good life. I was like, I'm going to work my butt off. And then maybe at 50, I'll get to be president. And maybe I won't. And then the three of my cousins came in right after me. I was the first person in the fourth generation to come in. And I was like, this is going to be a bloodbath. And. i need to see if i can get the writing was on the wall yeah yeah i'm young enough now i can do it and i talked to my father he was actually on the board of avondale he was on the board of vulcan materials which is a huge company what is now delta airlines which was a huge company and just really some really big fortune 500 companies he was on the board of and he understood that if you started a business or bought into a small business and grew it, you could really do well because he was working with people that had done it. You know, they started, the guy that started Southern Airways, which ended up getting merged into uh, eventually what became Delta. And he stayed on the board all the way through Northwest airlines. And so um, I started looking for something and I bought a company in Birmingham, which is my first one of my major mistakes and it was a disaster, but they were in the furniture business. And that got me in the furniture business. This was about 1978. Yes. 1978. Exactly. <clears throat> and, uh, I was gone after nine months. I was like, this is a disaster. I'm, it's not going to work. I need to, I can't make enough money here. They're going to never, this guy that owns it is not you know, a good decision maker. He doesn't spend enough time. It's like a baby, you know, it's like your baby. you got to change his diapers and feed it and, grow it up you can't he would go to West Palm Beach every week and I was like you can't do that man you gotta (laughs) I'll run it or you run it but this is a baby you can't leave it but he didn't do that and so I said okay I'm gone and so um so I started a company you know selling and it worked really well for me I went from making you know the interesting thing is I was 28 with Avondale, I was make $65,000 a year, which back then was an incredible deal I had. I didn't know what to do. real play. money, yeah. Yep. And then I took a $25,000 job and I couldn't even live on that. And so I was like, okay, I'm really screwed up. And so then I went out selling myself and I started making hundreds of thousands of dollars selling myself and said, like, okay, well, this happened your own business is a, is a good thing. But then I was never at home. I was like, I'm... I'm I I have three kids and I'm going like, you know, I had two kids while I was at Avondale and I had one while I was selling on the road. And I was like, I've got to get something that's not totally dependent on me. So I started company after company, I started like seven or eight different companies to try to see if one would work and be big enough to be able to pay the kind of money that I would like to make to start with. And then if I could grow it up and have employees that can want it so I didn't have to be there all the time, <laughs> which has kind of just gotten to that. It's taken this long to get to where I don't have to go to work and it still works. The tipping point is what I'd say we hit about, you know, probably eight, 10 years ago, something like that. Right. Where, you know, you have a brand and people, a lot of people know who you are and your customers are very loyal and you're not, unless you screw up majorly, you're not going to lose your clients. And It's critical mass. It is, because there, there was, I was like, when am I, I'm like, these customers are going to drop me at a whim. It, they'll sell them the heck out of my stuff, and they can't get it, and they're mad at me for not being able to get it, and they're going to drop me because I'm slow in shipping, but they can't get enough of it. It doesn't make any sense why they would do that. And so I was like, i got to figure this out. And so eventually, it, it, I figured it out, and, and I got it to where it would work. But you're right, it's critical mass. Is that your, <laughs> I don't know how far you want to go here.
0: No, you're, you had mentioned, you know, that you come from this illustrious lineage of grandfather and father. Your father was a mentor of yours. What were the things yeah. that you learned from your dad that had a big impact on who you became? Oh, well, he was Mr. On, Yeah, my mother used to
1: say, your dad is a straight arrow. And I was like, what do you mean? And then his, one of his best friends, that he's friends with since he was four years old, Is you know, he's. He was uh, never tell a lie. I mean, he was Abraham Lincoln. Uh, He's just, he was just this, she was right. He was a straight arrow. He was just totally ethical. You know, you know, the Warren Buffett uh, phrase that takes a lifetime to build a reputation. It takes a moment to lose it. Right. He was never going to lose it. I mean, he was that kind of guy. And then when, you know, then when I, I, I started growing the company, I had, that I, was, I got in the outdoor furniture business because that's what I was selling the most of. And we had what I call net never terms. We would ship you in October and you didn't have to pay us till May. And so we wow. had a steep run up like you can't imagine. And I was constantly trying to finance it. this growth and I was doubling every three and a half years and I could never get a bank to give me enough money. I mean, when I started, I remember this bank saying, you realize you're, you're, 12 to one debt to equity. I was like, yeah, so <laughs> like, I didn't understand what that really meant
0: at the well, time. Ba- but, bankers are the guys who give you an umbrella when it's uh, sunny and ask for it back when it's raining. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I was, that's why I learned that the hard way.
1: <laughs> so he, I, I said, so why do you want to lend me this money? He's like, well, we believe in you. I'm like, Okay, good. Let's go. And, and, uh, so I would always hit their legal limit, you know, of how much money they could lend. I, have you read the Nike story, the Shoe Dog? The, the oh yeah, price? my
0: daughter in law gave it to me a couple of years ago. That was amazing. It is.
1: That is exactly my story, except you know I didn't become billions, but
0: the no, but and, he didn't make I any didn't money for
1: twenty years. Yeah, that's the same exact. Well, I think mine was. It was at least that long if not longer i kept saying we got to build the brand we got to build a brand we got to take market share we got to take market share and then we eventually got there but it's, it wasn't as quick as nike i don't think but uh, but um it took it really took opening his own stores he had stores from the beginning i don't know they were called blue ribbon as you remember to start with but
0: i did he had
1: that situation where the bank was foreclosing on him and when bounced his payroll checks and i was like I had some tough Mike situations, but not particularly that difficult. Mine goes through the Great Recession, which Nike had already made it by then, so they didn't have the the situation that I had. The Great Recession, where I was with Royal Bank of Scotland, and they were—I mean—they were going to pull my line, and it really had to do with—I didn't understand it at the time—but they had lost so much money that they didn't have any cash, and they had nowhere to get the cash but from their customers switching their lines to another bank and then getting them to pay their loans off. So they were trying to squeeze all their clients to get cash so that they could pay their bills. And if Bank of England hadn't taken over or a bank of Scotland, I don't
0: know where I'd be today. Mm. So I had a lot of godsends along the way there. Were there some other mentors in this journey that, uh, that kind of dropped the lessons you needed to learn along the way? Yeah, tons of them, but, um,
1: one thing I found out just by uh, is is the importance of relationships. So when I got in this situation where the bank as a had a $20 million line and I was like, and they were getting ready to take two and a half million dollars out of my checking account. I was like, I mean, even though I had the I had the basis to not do that, but that what they did is a there's a formula they use for inventory and receivables. I don't know if you for me that. usually it's 50 80 or something like that but they were changing it to 75 45 and i had tons of inventory because i would get a build up my inventory out of season and change it into cash and i was like man i'm gonna i'm not gonna be able to make payroll if this doesn't if this doesn't work out and so i start i call one of my vendors in china and said i don't this is very similar to the blue ribbon story too called one of my vendors in China and said, I don't know what to do. He said, well, I can help you. Just don't pay your payables. Mm. And I was like, okay, wow. Like, ever? <laughs> he went, no, you have to pay me, but just ride it. Ride your payables. And I went, well, so how, how much? He said, $2.5 million." I was like, okay, wow. So I said, okay, that worked. Let me call some other. mother. I called another vendor in China. He said, I'll do $1 and then I started calling my domestic vendors, my biggest fabric vendor, said, I'll do a half million. I just went through that and I quickly came up with millions of dollars. And I called the CFO and said, OK, I got us the two and a half million and really more than that. And I think we're going to get through this. And he's like, wow, how'd you do that? I said, well, relationships. I had relationships I promised these people I pay them. They all said they believed in you know, my business and in me. And so made it it's the difference in life and death as far as as far as the business went. Right. So
0: and that wasn't necessarily and, in his best interest to tell you that, but he did it because he valued the friendship that you had. Well it was symbiotic too. I mean the factories he
1: had only made my blood. So oh, if wow. something happened to me, he, Yeah.
0: Yeah, so he was was, you were interdependent.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so so, in the same way in the northern Chinese guy, that was South China and the Northern China guy was the same way. He's like, well, we believe in you know he had a bunch of other businesses, so probably didn't hurt him. And the other guy was rich anyway, but he didn't want to see me go out of
0: business. And it
1: and it worked out. I was very loyal to them after
0: that. Yeah, no kidding. You earned it. Yeah. What what books made a difference for you? You, uh, you know, when you first logged on, I noticed a, an impressive bookshelf behind you. Yeah. You're a yeah, voracious I, reader.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm always got five books. I'm, um, I'm reading the uh, courage with the, the, what the Stephen Ambrose story about um, Lewis Clark. And have you read that, I see incredible.
0: No, uh, but it sounds interesting.
1: It's about the Lewis, the Lewis and Clark ex you know, Going across the Rockies to the yeah. Western. It's it's fabulous. And there's a sh- there's a short version that's really good when I mean, you see what these guys went through to do this. Nothing compared to Washington, George Washington. Washington, the life of Ron Tornoy story about George Washington. You read that and you go, Oh my God, we wouldn't be here without this guy. Right. This guy is an and so. That reading that book really got me into history, and then I read about Abraham Lincoln, a lot of you know the the, the Prairie years and the the Lincoln's, you know um, slavery years, but Lincoln was great. Nothing compared to Washington. Nothing. I mean this guy it was just uh, an amazing leader. He designed his own clothes that he wore, his own uniform, and had it made and. He's just—he's just a very, very unusual. I don't think there's ever been anybody like him, and probably won't be anybody with that kind of stamina that he had.
0: Do you read any uh,
1: Teddy Roosevelt biographies? Um, I, I've got one in my library right now, but I haven't read it.
0: And I've uh, well, read, yeah. You know, He's—he's my hero of After all the presidents. It, uh, yeah. You know my
1: favorite—that I just believe it or not—I read it last year is a book called Land Remembered by Patrick Smith. Have you heard of this thing? I, no. I am on Amazon suggested it to me, and I was looking for something, so I started reading it. It's about this guy that goes down to Florida right at the end of the Civil War. And he's broke, you know, he's with his wife and he's trying to live off the land. And he discovers that there's all these cows roaming around down there and he starts figures out that he can collect the cows and go to the West coast and sell them to Cuba. to these guys take them Cuba and they have no cash. So he's paid everything in gold. He builds up all this gold reserve and he starts buying land. I'm not leaving it at that, but it's the way it's written is so readable. And the audible is amazing because this guy can change his voice from an old man to to Indian to female Indian. Oh, it's just, yeah. It's, it's, that's the story. That's impressive. It is. It is really, really good. That's the best. I, the, the my book before that was a Ken Follett book uh, called Pillars of the Earth. You yeah. heard that?
0: Yeah, read it that. It is so
1: not you Ken know, Follett. You know, it's like uh, you start reading is like this is not Ken Follett because he was writing kind of uh, mystery, well, spy novels really before that, right. and so right. It really a lot of times we're searching it, and it's about building the churches in England during the.
0: They made, the 16th a, they made a. They made a mini series out of it. Yeah, and I started watching. what's it? Was it any good? Oh yeah.
1: Supporting? It My is. My wife I, and
0: I binged it. We had the DVDs. I think we still have them in our condo. Is on it the Lake? Is yeah.
1: Netflix now or something? I gotta. I gotta watch that. You're right. It. It's
0: really well done. Yeah, and you know, you didn't. Know, I was surprised too. The Ken follow wrote the. Because, you know, he wrote a book about what Ross Perot did. Yeah. You know, he's, I mean, he's just an interesting guy. Yeah, he could just write. So, n- not to shift uh, gears here, because you and I could talk about books all day long. Yeah. By the way, the, the one bug I'll plan in a year is The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, it won a uh, Pulitzer. Uh, I've read probably 20 books on Roosevelt's life. It's my favorite by Edmund Ed, what, Morris. Edmund Morris, okay. It won a Pulitzer, so, you know, it's... You know, it's well done. But that was the early part of that was his ascent it was the most interesting part of his life because that guy knew adversity. He had some real uh uh challenges uh, in his youth with his health. And you're no stranger to adversity. You had blood clot in your lungs, for gosh sakes. What did that yeah. teach you? Five blood clots in my
1: lungs. I had a lot of them in there. Uh It taught me what death feels like because I, uh, I had a signal to my brain that I knew I was going to die. I mean, I I said, "Okay, well, that's what life is like." And it it also brings to your mind the shortness of life,
0: yeah,
1: and the fact that that eternity is a really long time. I don't, I don't know why, but that when I was almost died that's the thing that infinity just came to mind not not heaven, hell, not that, right but the infinity of life after death and how short I was like, okay, well, that's what life was like. I'm out of here. Wow, that seemed really short. And that's what came to mind to me, but I was like, you know, I've got and, and I came I had already started trying to change. Some things I thought I was doing wrong. One was being a better husband. And I started when I was, uh, when I had my 25th anniversary, I had a party for my uh, 25th anniversary. And I heard my children talking about my wife. And I was like, man, I have just not done this husband thing very well. I've got to fix that. And it's not easy. It's, It's, you know, it's not like turning on a light switch. It's, You've got to really commit to it. Cause my wife would constantly say you love that company more than me. Mm. And I was, uh, I was like, I got to,
0: I got to fix that. So I think, I I think I fixed it, but it took a long time. It wasn't, no, it was 25 years ago. No executive ever said in his deathbed. I wish I had spent more time at the office.
1: Yeah. Did you, the one thing I've seen is this, uh, there's a recent study that came out about people in their 90s, and they're interviewing them, and they're and that was the qualification you had to be 90 or above, and they're asking about their regrets. Guess what? Guess what? One of Undaunted Courage, by the way, is the book I'm reading right now. It's the one about uh, Lewis and Clark. Mm. Um, the guess what? One of their big regrets is, and this is something I don't have. <laughs> it's not. It is. I didn't take enough risk mm. and probably that I took too many risks. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't have that one. That's one. I don't know. There is that. I didn't spend enough time with my family and I didn't spend enough time on relationships. And I have been really on relationships. I spent an incredible amount of time building relationships. I mean, not just with my wife or my vendors, but with my employees and my, my uh kids and i have two kids working for me which is probably harder for them than it is for me but um right i think it's been really rewarding for them it's tough
0: it's It's hard being an sob son of the boss yeah exactly yeah there's a there's a book by daniel pink his new one it's called the power of regret and one of the things he talks about uh is are two phrases if only (laughs) And at least, and if only is a negative one, if only I'd have taken more risk, if only I'd have started this sooner, if only, right, we beat ourselves up over it. But the the healing part of that is the at least, well, at least I did it in time. Or for you, at least I woke up at 25 years married and decided to become a better husband. And so regret can be a healing thing. It can push us forward. Remembering if only and... You know embracing the at least
1: yeah i try to i try to in my mind, I think my wife says you try to do too much um but that's i guess I don't wanna have a regret. i wanna you know i don't wanna not do something that I felt like I should have done, you know what I'm saying i don't i do yeah. get to the end of my and't I do that and uh Certainly starting my own company was one of I can tell you that though I, I got into situations repeatedly where I went, I can't get through this. And I was like, Right. I would go to my wife and say, I'm I need to just go get a job. This is nuts. I've been paying myself forty thousand dollars a year for what, eight or nine years now. This is it's made, and you know, I, I know I can do better than this. Just go get a job. And she would go like, I believe in you, you can do it. I'm, I think it's going to work. I'm like, okay, if you believe in me, maybe I'm wrong. And I would Boy, go back. We need and, someone like that they, in our lives too, don't we? Yeah, you got to have somebody. I mean, I think I have the grit to push through, but you definitely got to have the support in addition to the grit that gets you through this situation.
0: Well, I don't know about you, but my wife is a sounding board and she'll ask yeah. questions, right? And then she'll just listen. And then she'll say, well, what are you going to do? And as a consultant, that's one of the things I, you know, I do with my clients. I did that this morning with a gentleman for over an hour. I just listened for an hour and this guy's been through the mill and back. And, you know, the bottom line is most of the time we solve our own problems if we're allowed to talk about it long enough. But sometimes it's just somebody saying after listening to us, you got this, you can do this. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're you're blessed in that way. Yep, Definitely. I, 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 uh, careful
1: how much I put on her, but she'll, I'll come home and she'll say, well, what, what happened? <laughs> it's like, you really don't want to know.
0: Yeah. How much time do you have? <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a disaster. I'm sure I have to be careful
0: how much I give her because she is burdens or, you know, right. Hey, before we run out of time, I want to make sure that, uh, My listeners can get your book. So if they want to order a copy of your book, what's the title and how do they get it? It's called A Summer Classic, which is the name
1: of my company, Summer Classics. Uh, And it's on Amazon, which is where most people buy their books. And uh, there's an audible that's really good. Like I said, my roommate in college is an actor, producer, director, reads it. And uh, And you've got an unusual
0: first name. How do you spell that?
1: Yeah, B E W, like a few with a B, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird name. It's actually my middle name. It's William Bu White the Third, Billy Bu. See, I thought it was a
0: nickname or short for Buford.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people think that, but no, it's the last English name, so it's it's just unique. I, actually. Was Billy all the way through college, but everybody nicknamed me Bue. They would call me Bue anyway, and even in high school. And then when I got out, I was like, you know, I'm just going to change my name to Bue. And when I got going to New York, that's a weird enough name that'll help me start a conversation. And yeah, this
0: fellow out here named Bue wants to talk to you. Well, who? <laughs> <laughs> you who? Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm laughing yeah, with well. you. I'm laughing with you, yeah. Bue. Not at you. Oh, yeah. I get it oh my gosh uh so what's next for you you've lived a pretty colorful life you've had a great deal of success you overcome adversity you stayed married for a long time to the same woman that's impressive what's next for you well I think um you know I told my
1: my son this but if we do really well we can End up doing a lot of good, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" I said, "We can give away money to people that need it. You know, we can pick a need that we see is really important and help. And that's that's one thing I'm I'm working on. So, philanthropy. Stay alive is another thing I'm working on.
0: Not dying. <laughs> he just needs to yeah, stay not, alive."
1: Hey, that's another book I just read called How Not to Die. Have <laughs> you read that one yet? No, but <laughs> it, a, it sounds really, like I better. Yeah, it's a re, It's about what you eat. You know, you are talking about advising people. I think the, I guarantee you 90% of what you're talking to people about is people, other people than their business. It's the people that you surround yourself with that really make the big difference. And so yes. I think that's... Uh, the books you read and the people you meet. Yep. And your people skills or, you know, when you're interviewing people, people skills are something you're constantly looking for, because it's usually the missing piece. in uh, pro- people, when you interview them, is that their are people skills to be a manager. They either have it or they don't. It's really right. hard to
0: learn. Well, my father was the opposite of your father. My father was not my mentor. But in 1982, I found and devoured How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And I was so excited. I bought him a copy and he opened up. It was like Father's Day or Christmas. And he opened it up and he goes, I got all the friends I need. And he put the book down. He never (laughs) read it, which made me sad, you know. Uh, But that book changed my life, literally. And it's one of those books that, to your point... If you understand how to how to win friends and influence people, your your way will be made easier. I think it's influenced a lot
1: of people's lives. I think there's a whole course taught on that book.
0: Oh, there is. There's people
1: all over the United States.
0: Yeah, for since the 30s, it was written in 1935. Yeah, I'm a huge Carnegie fan, and I, you know, I I was a technician in my early days, and I literally kept that in my service truck, and I would read a chapter every day, and then I'd go apply it. And it was magical. It's how I got into sales. And and it literally changed my life. Uh, My last question, uh, parting advice for young entrepreneurs. What are three things that uh, someone, if if a young person listening now, uh, what advice would you offer? What three things? Number one, don't become an entrepreneur unless you have these six
1: traits. Do you want those?
0: It uh, sounds like we they better buy your book but uh we got 2 minutes no, so you it's, better go fast.
1: It's, 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 okay, it's not in the book but they I'll real quick. Vina you know Whitman came up with these. I didn't it's uh it's visionary, passionate, risk taker. That's the big one that if you don't have it don't do it. You know, driven problem solver and responsible. Those if you get you got to have all those to be passionate. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. So, so uh
0: so visionary that, I think that's it. I don't, Learn how passionate, to read a, a risk yeah, taker, driven, driven and responsible. Right. Visionary.
1: First one, you got to see something that other people don't see. That's a pretty big one, you know. And and risk taker is where a lot of people drop. Oh, I'm not a risk taker, and so don't do it if you can't. If you're not a risk taker. Learn how to read a financial statement. I learned that late. Took me a while to figure that out. Then I said I better learn how to read these financial statements, or I'm toast. Right. And great quote is You get a future you plan for. Become an incredible planner. Plan, plan, plan. Plan, you know, plan the week, month, year, or go backwards from the year and go, you know, plan your months and weeks and
0: days. My fourth book was on time management. And one of the quotes from the book is uh, if, you, if, you, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail do first things first yep. one thing at a time and finish what you start. I start every day with reading for half an hour and then planning my day and then thinking about my goals. I call it my hour of power. Uh gosh, this was great. I wish we had more time. Perhaps we can you can come back and we can do another I my guess is we you and I could talk for another hour or two easy. I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I I, I used to be a great talker and now I'm a better listener. I worked real hard at that for a long time to undo it. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks for giving me the time. Oh, my friend. Thank you. I look forward to devouring your book and yeah. uh, I'm going to order our land remembered. I think that sounds like a winner. Yeah. Land remembered, man. You got it.
1: Yeah. If you like audible do the audible cause that guy is I've got the books and I'm giving them to a bunch of people, but I think a lot of people like paper, but
0: I I have 11 credits on Audible, so I'll order it today. Thank you, Biu, you're the cool breeze in a stuffy Uh room. Appreciate it. As a leader in advanced HVC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric has committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness. From electric cars to electric water heaters to electric heating and cooling, the future is electric. The demand for all of our electric heat pumps have never been greater. So there's no better time to join our community of premier contractors and grow your business. Here are some of the reasons why partnering with Mitsubishi Electric is a great idea. Mitsubishi is the number one selling heat pump in America and has been the industry leader for over 35 years. Mitsubishi offers local technical support and has a network of excellent distributors. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. To find out more, contact mitsubishicomfort.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.